It's great to be here. I tell you what, I am just going to teach tonight. This isn't going to be preaching. It's going to be teaching. We're going to talk about it. And I know full well that there are a lot of you that know much more than I do. So if you don't mind, what I'm going to ask is I'm going to ask you to get involved and help me tonight, help me teach. So we'll be talking about Proverbs again, Proverbs uh, chapter 3. And uh, as I was looking at it, I, uh, I thought, wow, this is kind of broken into three categories pretty easily here, pretty cleanly here. So I thought about the, the three categories were this whole concept of characteristic and consequences, then the commands, and then also the comparison. Characteristics and consequences in that the things that are typical of my life, that are characteristic of my life, have consequences. The decisions I make, the choices I make have consequences. So the writer, uh, again, talks about some of those things, the, the things that we do, that, in fact, the things that God wants us to do and the consequences of those. Then he goes on and he talks about the things that, some of the things that he really doesn't want us to do, that God doesn't want us to do, some of the commands. And I think sometime, somewhere along the way, we have lost the thought that when God tells us to do something, we need to do it. Sometimes we just think maybe it's optional, maybe if we want to, if we feel like it. But really, when God says do this, he really means to do it, and he means to do it for a reason. And the last part of it are the, the comparison type thing. And what it does is, again, it shows this is what happens when you serve the Lord. This is what happens when you follow us will. This is what happens when you don't. So we'll just kind of, we'll kind of go through it again, uh, kind of step by step by step. But if you think of the characteristics and the consequences, I think of uh, if I were doing a class, I... I do some training at work. If I were doing a class on continuous improvement at work, I would talk about causes and effects. I would talk about inputs, and I would talk about outputs. But if we're looking on the spiritual side, which I guess we should be since we're here in church, shouldn't we? If we're looking at like what God, from God's point of view, uh, I think of Galatians, what, Galatians 6, 7, where it talks about that be not, be not deceived. Uh, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This whole concept of reaping and sowing again, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, also talk about the concept of the commands. Again, um, what is it in James 1.22, he says that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Talk is cheap. And church, I think we've talked long enough, but we haven't actually gone out and done what God wants us to do. So at least to the level he wants us to do it. So tonight, I really want to catch a hold of that thought, that idea that God has something special for each and every one of us. I can't help but be so excited I can barely stand it about what God is doing in this body of believers. If you were here Sunday morning, where can you go where nine people give their hearts to the Lord? Lives changed. Wow. That is just, I thought, oh my goodness. I'm right in the, don't you love just being right in the middle of it? That's right exactly where I want to be. So again, think as we, as we talk through the nine, we look at this third chapter of Proverbs. Think about what does God want me to do? Where do I fit in? Where should I be? What does he want me to do through this? And then again, the last part of the comparison, I think in Deuteronomy 30, verses 15, it says, Behold, I set before you life and good and death and evil. Again, it's our choice. We get to choose those things. I've got my clicker up here. I'm notorious for, uh, for losing it, so I'll try to keep it up here most of the time. As far as uh, definitions, a characteristic is just a, it's a, uh, it's a typical of a particular person, place, or thing. And then the consequence is just a result of an action or uh, some type of condition. So let's look at a person to see if we can kind of bear this out before we get on. Who is this? Anybody recognize this guy? Ah, uh, Billy Graham. So help me out here. What are some things, uh, I think probably pretty good example of a Christian guy, wouldn't you think? Had a pretty good testimony, lived his life through. So what are some of the things that you think are characteristic of his life? What are some of the things that were typical 
of his life as he was walking down here, as he lived down here, as he served the Lord? What do you think? What's, help me out here. What's one thing you think was typical? Yes, Matt. Ah, humility. Here is a man who literally could have had such a big head. Look at all the accomplishments. Yes, humility. Yes, integrity. He was huge on integrity. It was all about that. Being the very same thing inside as he was outside. Absolutely. In the dark as in the light. Absolutely. What else? Integrity and, and pardon me? Courageous. Ah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're talking a little bit about what he did. Just absolutely fearless because of God. Again, it was all God, but that humility type thing. What else? What about Billy Graham? Do you think he were some attributes? Oh, don't you love that? Always preach salvation. You know, I think I remember a time in the scriptures where the disciples came back to Jesus and they talked about the, the, the demons being subject to him. And wow, this was really cool. And he said, you know what we should do? The main thing we should think about is that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Salvation, nothing more important. Yeah, Bobby. Wow, consistency. In the 1980s, when evangelists and pastors were falling like flies as followers into some type of trap of the enemy, Billy Graham stood true. He was consistent in his walk with the Lord. So let's look. Okay, so all those things happen. All these things happen again. They were characteristic of his life. Now look at some of the things. These are some of the things about He preached to over 80 million people. This is one guy. Now look at the next one. Nearly 3 million responded to his altar calls. That's amazing. And then from 1950 on, in fact, a total of 61 times, he was recognized as one of the 10 most admired men in America and in the world. Those are some pretty big accolades from this guy. Now, I want you to start thinking about the things that we talked about. There were some characteristics that caused these consequences in his life. Uh, his largest crusade was in Seoul, Korea. There were 3.2 million people there, and 1.1 million had to walk to get there. So they wanted to get there pretty badly. They knew that that's where the Spirit was moving. They were looking for salvation. They were looking for healing. They were looking for what? Not Billy Graham, but for what Billy Graham had. They were looking for Jesus. And that's where Billy Graham was, was pointing them. Only over 75,000 inquiries in that, that revival. Absolutely amazing. Not only was he uh, the America's evangelist, but he was also the pastor of the president. Since World War II, every single president since World War II he's met with, including Donald Trump said of Lyndon Johnson, and Lyndon Johnson was probably the one that he was closest to, and that he and Lyndon John, uh, Billy Graham actually stayed in the White House 20 nights, different nights at different times when uh, Billy Graham was in office, or when Lyndon Johnson was in office, and they said when he would pray, when uh, Pastor Graham, Billy Graham would say, let's pray, he said he hit his knees every time. And then Johnson said, here's the president bowing down to pray. So again, what a, what a life. What a life lived. But think of the things. Now, what were some of those things? There were integrity and there were consistency and all the different things. Those things in his life, those characteristics, those things that were typical of his life were what caused that type of... Now, again, God's blessing it, but there's some things. What do we do? Well, let me take a step back. Billy Graham's gone. Thank the Lord for his legacy and it lives on and, and his prayers are going on right now. I truly believe that. But what I think God is saying now is, Brandon, what are you doing? He's sick, looking at each one, Marlene, what are you doing? I, I love it. You know, uh, you think of Jeremiah, and at Jeremiah 1.5 it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. 
before there came forth out of the womb, I uh, sanctified thee. I set you apart. Brother David, you were set apart before you even came out of the womb for service for God. You were set apart to you. You were, you were special to him. You just exactly made, just exactly like he wants you to be made for your service for him. Then he goes on in Jeremiah 29, 9, 11 and says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Each and every one of us here, what does God want us to do? Where do we fit in in, this, in what God is doing right now at Christ Point? Would you agree he's doing something very special? There, there are, God is on the move. The Holy Spirit is moving in such a miraculous, very planned, distinctive way. And how can we fit in? This is the Wednesday night crowd. This is a group that's the, uh, you know, the, the dedicated, the ones that can, are wanting to move this force. So tonight, let's think, where do I fit in? God, what do you want me to do? What do I need to be doing? What's characteristic of my life that will produce the consequences that God wants and that I'd like to have in my life as well? Okay, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Let's look, now let's look at the Word. Uh, in verse 1 and 2, it talks about keep my commandments. If we keep the commandments, then we have a long life and peace. And uh, there are principles at play here. Think of keep my commandments. Uh, John, what is it? John uh, 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Period. You know, again, he didn't say if you want to. He didn't say when it's convenient. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So, uh, boy, we better... We kind of better get on board there. Well, what's this commandment? What are the commandments that we should keep? When, the, when they came to Jesus and they said, what's the greatest commandment? What did they say? Do you remember? Ah, absolutely. Matthew 22, he says, 36 to 38, says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. And the second is likened to it, which is, love thy neighbor as thyself. We need to keep his commandments. If we do, there's a principle at play here. We have this, this long life. We have this, now God is sovereign. The plan is sovereign. But boy, we're putting into place, we're putting some years on ourselves just by keeping his commandments. Staying out of the things that we need to stay away from, that the enemy would put in our way. He likes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Okay, so again, keep his commandments. And then this whole concept of peace. Boy, wouldn't that be, isn't that a novel concept in the world today? Every single day, it's just a craziness out there. Absolutely craziness. But Jesus gives us his peace. Now, as the world giveth, he said, but my peace I give unto you. Uh, he said, there's going to be tribulation. That's fine because oh, I, I have overcome the world. So again, if we want to have a long life in peace, if that's something that you would like to attain, here's something we can do. We can keep his commandments. Do we keep his commandments today or do we pick and choose or... Or are we following that? Okay, in verses 3 and 4, he says, mercy and truth. If we have mercy and truth in our life, those characteristics, we find favor with God and man. Wow. Wow. Mercy and truth. Uh, mercy. Beatitudes. You go right to the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 7 says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If I extend mercy to Josh, he's probably going to extend mercy to me. I extend mercy to Randy. He's probably going to see it. So there's a principle at work here. God is trying to teach us that our actions, our choices, make a difference in the outcome of our life. And he's given us the things that we should do. So we should have mercy on one another. Uh, the whole concept of truth, uh, Jesus said in John uh, 
what? John 14, 6. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We need to know the truth. 2 Timothy 2, 15, where he says, Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Do we know the truth? We're talking earlier, and this, uh, I'll try to be good here, because I'll, Pastor might get me in, uh, get in trouble over here, but I, I have been so concerned about this, and I'll, I'll say this, this seeker-sensitive movement that has come into the church. Because it's simply not the truth, or not the complete truth. What I saw is we've, we have developed great country clubs. Oh my goodness. We can get together, and we can have a good time, and we can have fellowship, but where is the Holy Spirit? Where is the power of God? You know, we, we, we're denying that. It's, it's a form of godliness, but we're denying the power of the Holy Spirit because we're not getting the truth. And we're eating up because we don't have to. We just don't want. It's, a, you know, it's kind of a, a cheap salvation type situation. So, man... We, we really need to know the truth. Now, favor with God and with man. Anybody ever found favor with God? Situa don't, you, don't you love it that you and I as believers, as we have mercy, as we walk in the truth, we have favor with God? There is absolutely no reason, and I, I worked with Bob for a while at uh, Tampa, there's absolutely no reason that I should be doing what I'm doing other than the grace of God and the favor of God in my life. That lady sitting over there in the back row, there is no way that Doug Spears should have got Connie Simmons. There is no way. She was so far above me, it's unbelievable. There is absolutely no way. But God somehow had favor on me, and now I get to live for 36, almost 37 years with her. It's the favor of God in our lives. But there are things we can do to help that. Now, God loves us. He's going to bless us. But my goodness, as we live, as we walk in His commandments, as we have mercy on people, as we treat people with love and kindness, as we live and walk in the truth, we get this favor of God. Favor with man. So, I had a class today at work. We'll see the end of the month. It's a four-day class. It's a leadership class. I needed two people to fill it. And our president and CEO is going to be there. It's a big deal. He's going to, he's going to kick it off. Man, God, what am I going to do? I need two people. I've exhausted my resources, so I was praying. I had a great lunch, and then I was praying uh, uh, some in this afternoon. All of a sudden, I get an email. Four people want to come to the class. All of a sudden, I get another email. Two people want to come to the class. Don't tell me that God's not working. Don't tell me it's not favor with God and man. As we walk, as we walk out what God, just where he wants us to be, what he wants us to do, my goodness, the things that it gives me. I love it. Love it, love it. Favor with God and man. Um, okay, we'll move on. Now, this is what I want to, I'm going to stop here a little bit. In fact, I want you to talk to one another. This whole concept of trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not into thine own understanding, and all the ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Some of the most quoted scriptures in the Word. Something that I've stood on my entire life long. So I'm standing up here, and most of you don't know me very well. So what I want you to do is get together with a person beside you, and I want you to come up with at least three things that I'm going to have to do. They're going to have to be characteristic of my life, typical of my life, if you're going to trust me. Okay? So I'm going to give you two and a half minutes. So what would, if you, okay, if someone is going to, if I'm going to get your trust, if I'm going to, you're going to trust me because you don't know me very well, what do I need to do to able to actually build that trust? What are two or three things that have to be attributes, characteristic of my life if I'm going to be trustworthy. 
Talk with your partner or talk with somebody there. What do you think? Give me a few minutes to do that. Okay, so what do you think? What are your answers? What, what can I do or what do I need to do to gain your trust? What are some of the things? I need to be consistent. What else? Not lie. Ooh, I need to tell the truth. Absolutely. What else? Ah, mean what you say and say what you mean. What else? <laughs> Anything else? What? Yes. So that you care. We, I always say at work and leadership training that people don't care what you know until they know what you care. References. So in other words, my reputation better be a good one. You're going to trust me. You're going to check into it and say, who is this guy? Yeah, what do you think? Ooh, so even though I'm not going to get anything back, I'm going to go ahead and help you. Ah, I like that. Good job. Good seat. All right, fantastic. What else? Oh, so trust takes time. Absolutely. Absolutely. What else? Yes, still. Encouragement? <laughs> yeah, please do that for me. Absolutely. If you're going to be a trust, I'm going to trust you. Yeah. What else? You're going to trust me. I'm going to have to be vulnerable to you, which means I'm going to have to admit, man, I just don't know. <laughs> you know what? I've, I, think, I think if we all kind of sat, don't you think each and every one of us tonight, if we told the truth, let me see, what's that verse in Hebrews 12, 1 that says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily, easily beset us. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody in this room didn't have some type of besetting sin or at least maybe that we struggle with, or is there some type of weight that we're dealing with? We're all in this together, but how many of you know that we can do all things through Christ? How many know that He loves us? How many know if we ask for forgiveness, He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all our sins and unrighteousness, okay? Anything else? What else? Over here? Ah, needs to be transparent. Absolutely. What you see is what you get. Absolutely. No games playing. Need to build a relationship. Absolutely. If we're going to trust one another, we're going to have to build some type of relationship. So all these things, would you agree? If, if I could do this, man, we could become friends. If I could do this, okay, now, it's one thing for me. I'm, I'm probably going to fail miserably at a lot of those things. But let's look at Jesus. What does this verse say? It doesn't say trust in Doug. It says trust in the Lord. Now, as we apply these things to the Lord, do you think we can trust the Lord? You mean every single thing that we said, all these different things, not lying, good reputation, all those things, do you think that's... So the fact... So wow, we can trust God, but do we really trust Him? I kind of have a thought, I kind of have a feeling that... Uh, and please, ladies, don't get mad at me here, because I'll, I'm saying this in uh, Adam too. But I think part of Eve's problem is she just simply didn't trust God. And then Adam didn't either because he went right along too. He did the very same thing. But now think of that. What happened? What, when did the temptation take place? It said when she saw that the tree was good for food, good to eat, when it looked good, it was good at the sight, would make me wise, the pride of life. Three things the devil sent us with. He got her. The devil got her. But now, she think, yeah, this, think of all she had in the 
Garden of Eden. Think of all they had. Was there really, do you think that God was really trying to withhold something from her that was good? Okay, if you think of James, look in James, the first chapter where he says that every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above, which is, there is no variable, variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every single, every good gift comes from God. She didn't need anything from the devil. Now, the devil convinced her, again, that it was going to taste good. It's going to taste good. Does sin taste good? Okay, now think of Moses. Think of, he of Hebrews chapter 11. Moses decided rather to choose the affliction of the children of Israel, children of God, than the pleasures of sin for a season. Probably be lying if there wasn't some feel-good aspect of sin. I would also be lying if I'd say it's not permanent. It's temporary. I've heard Pastor Josh say that sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cause you to pay more than, or cost you more than you want to pay. So again, but she, I think in her mind, she just couldn't give it all up because there was something out there. She didn't trust God enough to believe that he wasn't withholding something from her. Um, what is it? Psalms 84.11 says, No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. <laughs> all of us here, everybody hearing, there's nothing that God is going to withhold from us. Nothing. Nothing that is good is he going to withhold every single thing. In fact, in First Peter uh, 1 or 2 Peter 1.3 says, According to his divine power, he's given us all things that contain in the life of God. We've got to trust him. We've got to learn to trust God. As we go into the season of life, I truly believe that God is going to ask us to do more than we've ever done. I think he's going to ask us to step out in faith in ways that we have never stepped out before. He's going to ask us to speak to people that we've never spoken to before about God. All these things, I think he's just waiting. He's right there and he's got it for us. But we've got to have faith to do it. We've got to trust him enough to believe First of all, he's given us what we need. He's not going to withhold anything good from us. And he has gone before us with faith. Wow, wow. We're, we're right there. We're right on the cusp. We're getting, we're ready to move. But he's saying, okay, trust me. Trust me. And I'll direct your path. I don't want to take one step that is not in God's will. I want to move with him day in, day out, every single thing I do. God, God help us to do that. Okay, trust the Lord. He'll direct your path. Uh, then in verse 7 and 8, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, depart from evil, and you'll have health to your flesh. There's a physical aspect of it, to it. Of it. As we aren't, uh, aren't cocky, uh, what is it? Uh, in Proverbs 16, 18, it says, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. You want to fall? Get cocky. Think a little bit too much of yourself, and boy, just get ready, because you're going to take a tumble. It just, it just happens. Don't do that, and you'll be healthy. Fear the Lord. Is there any of that today? Now, I say that, you shouldn't, it's kind of sarcastically. There's not enough. We don't fear the Lord. If you think of, if you think of uh, the United States today, think of where we are. There's very little fear of the Lord. I think we need to get a little fear and reverence of God back. After all, he is a consuming fire. There is coming a day that we are all going to stand before judgment, and he's going to say, you know, it's going to be to the right or the left. We need to, we need to realize that there, you know, again, God is full of grace. I'm not talking about that. He's saying he's not. He loves us, all those things he has for us, but still we've got to realize that we do need to fear God. 
He is someone that we should reverence. He is a holy God, and we need to live our lives holy as He is holy. Wow, we need to get back to some of that, and then depart from evil. Uh, I, I love the verse where it talks about that we should make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. What do we go home on our TVs and watch? What do we look at on our phones? You know, some of those things. That, again, we put ourselves in a situation where we know we're going to sin, so God is saying to us tonight, depart from that, and again, it will help you physically. Your physical help as well. Honor the Lord with your possessions and first fruits. Uh, of course, Malachi talks about honoring him with this, uh, bringing your tithe in the storehouse. I'll tell you a testimony about money. Uh, Connie and I have been married nine years. We have one daughter, and uh, she was, uh, we were married 11 years before we had her. And uh, so we were at a revival. And uh, we've been married, I don't know, nine, nine or so years at the time. And, and uh, at that time, it was pretty tough. If you have ever been in a situation where you couldn't have children, it's, it's really tough. And uh, I can remember my best friend, best friend used to say, Doug, you're just not man enough. Now, that could be, you could say that's kind of cute and funny until you're the one who's saying that. It's, there was nothing cute or funny about it. Just killed me. Remember, night after night, Connie would cry herself to sleep. You know, any 14, 15, 16-year-old girl can have a baby, and I can't. Why not? Tough, tough times. So we had a revival at a at church um, when every night, uh, I'm going to say this, in the end, I wasn't overly impressed with the evangelist. <laughs> wasn't my favorite. But anyway, we went, and we were there and, and trying to, uh, to serve the Lord. And uh, so we're there one night, service and uh, God spoke to me and he said you need to give this money. We had saved some money. Uh, we didn't have a lot. There wasn't a lot of money. We saved some money. It was money that we could have used to do something to have a baby. You know, to pursue that. And uh, went home and, and talked to Connie and Connie said, you know, God told me you guys have to So, just need to give you saved. And uh, so we went back the next night and gave our savings. And uh, said, Lord, we just trust you. Next month, at that point, we were, if you haven't gone through that, you check those things pretty periodically. <laughs> you kind of know what's going on. So next month, she didn't get pregnant. 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 And again, we're just saying, God, we gave it as unto you. We, we heard you. We're, next month, she didn't get pregnant. Next month, she didn't get pregnant. So it was a little over a year that we went, and then Connie got pregnant. It was awesome. Four o'clock in the morning, she wakes up. Water breaks. Seven o'clock, she wakes me up and says, honey, let's go to the hospital. What a great time. Now, I'm not saying you can buy God's favor. I do not want to say I'm not saying that anymore, but I am saying if just, I believe, an act of surrender of what we have and we were giving up hope that we had, I believe God honored that. I believe when you honor him with your money, because we get pretty close to our money, when you honor him with the money, he honors you right back. And think of the principle, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed over, running down, shaken together. You can never outgive God. But watch that, there's a lot of people who are tied up in money today. 
they're really got their lives wrapped around and they're so bound that they're working, you know, to, and I, I, we have to make a living. So I, I understand that, but I also know men that I work with that work 60, 70, 80 hours a week and leave their wives and kids at home. Probably don't have to, just simply workaholics. Just they're so wrapped up in that type of situation. So uh, God tells us with his money, but if we honor God with our money, then he's going to bless us that our barns will be Okay, so that one, uh, the next one. Uh, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Uh, don't detest his correction because he loves us. I think there was a period of my life when literally I got the belt every night. Uh, seems like a period of years. <laughs> seems like I've been for years. Every night, my, uh, every night at, at, at the dinner table, my brother's four and a half years older than me. Every night at the dinner table, we laugh. I loved to have a good time. And my brother was just smart enough to know when to quit. So we would be laughing and carrying on, and dad would be getting madder and madder. And you could, see the, you could literally see his face get red, and he's upset, and he continued to giggle, laugh. And so just at the right time, Dean, my brother, would quit. I'd continue, and dad would stand up, and he would say, I've come to Rosie's end. And I knew it would not be long before my end was Rosie. <laughs> and that's really true. I just never knew when to shut up. He always did, indeed, always never got a spanking. I always did, always got it. But you know what? I don't think it's, in fact, I probably needed many more than I got. But I don't believe it was because my dad was mean. I don't believe it was because he didn't like me. I was, believe he was trying to teach me something. I think he was trying to teach me that when we do things, our choices have consequences. So, Doug, shut up. <laughs> Stop laughing. If not, there are going to be consequences. Again, the only reason that God chastens us, the only reason that he corrects us is because he loves us, because he wants to keep us out of trouble, because he wants us to take us further. He wants us to do more. He wants us to, be, to grow into him. He wants our life to be fuller. He wants us to have that abundant life. But a lot of times with that, that comes with correction. So let's, let's, let's say that's okay. We'll, we'll do that. Okay, God, I know that you love me. It's hard at the time, but boy, those lessons we need to learn. Next. Uh, find wisdom and gain understanding and happiness. Wisdom. Wisdom has to do with uh, knowledge and experience. Um, scripture says that we should be wise as serpent and harmless as doves. Lord, help us to have wisdom in the world in which we live. Every single day, the way that we deal with people, the way that we interact with people, Lord, help us to have wisdom. With our business dealings and our jobs are from wisdom. We so much need wisdom. God gives the wisdom and gains understanding. We, we need to seek that. We need to seek that understanding. We need to seek that for the Lord. We need to read this. I've read this chapter over and over again. I read it in about five different translations. And Lord, help me to understand. Help me to speak to me so that you can speak through me so that we can understand, first of all, that you have a plan for our lives. And second of all, that there are things that we can do to get in line with that plan. Help us to get in line with that plan and be what you want us to be. Go where you want us to go. It says, if we do that, we have happiness. The New uh, Living Translation says you are joyful. Joy. Joy, to me, carries a little bit more weight because I think joy is, regardless of circumstances, we can have joy. But if we have wisdom, if we have understanding, we can have it. On to the next slide, it talks about not only that, but it talks about not only wisdom and uh, understanding, but it talks about, this says sound wisdom and discretion. Another translation says common sense and discernment. How many would agree that common sense has become uncommon? We just, we just, we just 
act like crazy people. We just absolutely act like crazy people. God's saying, I want you to have some common sense. I also want you to have some discernment. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to, as we interact with people, the Holy Spirit to guide us so that we can discern. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we shouldn't be, maybe that person shouldn't be our best friend. Maybe that person should be. Maybe I need to get involved in this, you know, that job. Whatever the discernment might be. Lord, help us to have the Holy Spirit speak to our lives. But we have to be listening in order for us to hear it. I kind of have a feeling that the Holy Spirit is speaking all the time. I think God's trying to speak to us all the time. We're just not listening. We're, we've got too many distractions, too many other things going on in our lives. So we're just simply, man, Lord help us, Lord help us. Now the cool thing is, let's look at the list. If we do that, if we have wisdom, if we have knowledge, if we have understanding, if we have discernment, we have life, we have a good life, again, that abundant life, we have joy. Ah, oh, man, every single night I call my mom on the way home, she said, Doug, how's your day? And I say, wonderful, wonderful. It was a great day. Absolutely, I love that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Man, I, there's nothing that is, is more... Uh, I don't know, kind of depressing to me than a grumpy Christian. Can that even be? Should we be that? Ah, man. No, we should be just absolutely excited about what God has done, regardless of the situation we're in. God is with us. Romans 8.28, all things work together for our good. Wow, to those who love God, to those who call according to His purpose. I love that. I can have the joy. Uh, We won't stumble. God is able to keep us from falling. Uh, Freedom from fear. Boy, fear paralyzes us, doesn't it? What are some of the things we're afraid of today? It's one thing we're afraid of today. Of what? Sickness. Ah, disease, dying. What else? Ah, being broke. What if they don't have money to pay the bills? What else? What? Reject. <laughs> Rejection. Absolutely. Oh, please. <laughs> I, I, I like to be liked by people. You know, the rejection. Absolutely. What else? So now think of that. If we have knowledge of God, if we have wisdom, all of those fears fade away. All of them fade away. No, nope, nope, nope. Uh, I know who I am in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away, but old all things have come new. I know who I am in Christ. I know that he's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. It may not be on the time frame or the way I want him to, but he's going to supply it. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. I know that regardless of the, the physical situation, he can heal my mom or he can take her home. Either way, but I know that the healing is going to be in that type of situation. We don't have to fear those things. Again, if we have these characteristics in our lives. Uh, also, sweet sleep. Nice to lay down your head at night and be able to sleep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've got one more. Okay, now we go into the commands. Those were all the do's. Now here are the, some of the things that he said don't do. Uh, he said, don't be afraid of the terror or the trouble of wicked men, uh, those that are wicked. Uh, why? Someone share with me. Now, you're going to build my faith. How do we build faith? How do you build faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so someone build my faith. Help me out here. You guys can help me teach. Man, there's craziness going on around. Our world seems to be just spiraling downward. There's, the sin is rampant. Our whole political system is kind of nutso type situation. Everybody's fighting. It's, we just, there's, just people hate each other anymore. 
So help me out here. Increase my faith by the word of God. What do you tell somebody when they come to you and say, I'm afraid. I mean, this world's gone crazy. What, what do I do? So someone help me. <laughs> perfect love casts out fear. Well, what's this perfect love? Ah, absolutely. That relationship that God, God loves us. God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave us only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm feeling better already. That's awesome. Okay, on to the next one. Uh, don't withhold goods from someone who... I'm sorry, back up. I'm going down that list. Uh, don't withhold goods from uh, when you can help others. Ooh, what does he mean there? What does he mean there? We're pretty quick to say, I'll pray for you. Are we as quick to say, I'll help you? Pardon me? Ooh, be the hands and feet. Absolutely, absolutely. Be the hands and feet. Again, talk is cheap. The world is looking at us, and they, you know, we may be really good at praying. Man, we may be able to stand up, and I may be able to absolutely wow you with my prayer. But if my actions don't back it up, it means nothing. I may be able to quote scripture like no one you've ever seen, but if my actions don't back it up, it doesn't mean a thing. I've got us. God is, God is really saying, to, I think he's saying to each one of us, we have something that we need to be doing. Each and every one of us. He said to us, okay, why shouldn't I devise evil against my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? People. <laughs> Doesn't make any difference who it is. Doesn't have to be the guy that lives across the street from me. Everybody's my neighbor. The good Samaritan, we realize that we need to, again, uh, not devise evil. I don't strive with man without a cause. Ooh, I kind of like to argue sometimes. I don't watch myself there. Then what about this one? Don't envy your oppressor or do what he does. Mmm. Wow. We've got to watch ourselves. There's some things I think Christians don't need to be involved in. Yeah, on Facebook. There's some things that we just simply don't need to be a part of. Now, that's probably not popular teaching anymore, but I think it's backed up very scripturally. By the word of God, there are some things that we don't, some places we don't need to go, some places, some things we do not need to do. And we certainly don't want to be partakers with those who are, ah, watch it, watch it. This whole philosophy of winning somebody by doing what they do, wow, I, I think we better check our theology. We better look at the Bible, look what the word says about that. Don't envy them and don't do what they do. And now, the last. We go side by side here. Here's the comparisons. So a perverse man is an abomination to the Lord. God gives secret counsel to an upright person. Which side do you want to be? I want that secret counsel, don't you? God gives us secret counsel. God will tell you things. He's going to reveal things to you through his word, and the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it to you that are secret to you, that is exactly what you need for the hour in which you're living. I believe that. I believe that God does that for us. Absolutely. So let's forget this other side. We don't want that other side. We're going to live upright, and God is going to give us those things. The next one. Okay, the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, and God blesses the house of the just. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you are blessed? Don't you love living in the blessings of God? 
Oh, man, praise the Lord. Just got to talk to Jerry before. Um, wonderful brother, brother. Known him forever about how God is blessing him physically. Wow. I see it last week in my mom. I see it on our counters. God is blessing us. He's blessing us. Nine souls saved from hell. I'm going to say that over and over again. I cannot get over what God is doing. And one baptism that was absolutely fantastic. What a great testimony. Thank you. Thank the Lord for Amy. Okay, on to the next. Two more. God scorns the scornful and God gives grace to the humble. I think that's interesting. One of the first things we said about Billy Graham was his humility. Uh, Lord, help us to be humble. God's given us so much, but help us to realize it's God. <laughs> you know, my righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing that I have done or could do that's going to make me worthy. It's God. But boy, as we do that, he gives us grace. How many need grace? God, continue to give me grace. Grace in my life, that unmerited favor. Lord, continue just to pour that on me. Now, and as he pours it on me, I also better be pouring it on others. I better be sharing that. The very same grace that he extends to me, I can now extend to others. Absolutely, absolutely. One more. The legacy of the fools is shame and the wisest glory. We talk about it works. There comes a point in time where you really move from, or anyway, for me it has uh, several of my buddies at work. There comes from a time, the time where you move away from uh, success to significance. There's a time where I was really climbing the ladder, wanted that next step, you know, wanted to move on up the chain of command and do those different things. Now the much more meaningful to me is the significance. And that is what legacy am I leaving behind? We have about 1,500 employees, 16, between 15 and 1,600 employees at Tamco. That's Doug Spears' mission field. We have some pastors here on the front row, and they're full-time pastors. I'm a full-time Christian. I'm a full-time servant of God. My mission field is different than theirs. Yours is different from mine. Where do you work? Who do you interact with on a daily basis? Whose lives are you impacting? Now, you say, oh man, I'm kind of, a, I'm somewhat introverted. Well, I will tell you the statistics. Statistics show that the most introverted person that there could be, the person, again, who doesn't talk a lot, very, very quiet, the most introverted person in their lifetime will influence 10,000 people. At least 10,000 people. So don't tell me that you don't have influence because you're not a big talker. That's not true. For one thing, I think our biggest influences our lives lived more than the words we say. And I think tonight God is trying to talk to us. And through this Proverbs, the third chapter, and he's saying the choices that we make, the things that we do, the things that are characteristic of our lives, they're bring us shame or glory. Shame or glory. If I were to say, I'll, I'll use myself. So you say, Doug, or ask, what's typical of Doug's life? What would you say? Those you know, maybe don't know. You, you think about that. When people look at you and they say, you know, it's, what's typical of Brandon's life? You know, what are, they, what are they saying about you? What do they see in you? Well, we have a, uh, tonight again, I, I just pray that God will grip us. You know, the last slide is pray that God will really grip us, grip us 
and get us to start thinking about that. Uh, that our choices, and it, it really is our choice. So a big, to a big extent tonight, the life that we live is our choice. That's it. How close are you to God? How close is Doug Spears to God? As close as he wants to be. Wow. That's kind of a hard thing to say, isn't it? How much does Doug Spears love the Lord as much as he wants to? How much time does Doug Spears spend with the Lord as much time as he wants to? So, so tonight I think God is saying, each and every one of us, first of all, he's saying, I love.